This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Heal. Today is the start of an Easter recess and we're going to have both a look back at this last month and then a look ahead to some of the challenges for the Tories and Labour. Katie, do you think that the Tories have had a good last couple of months? Months might be a bit much. I think they've had a good month. I think you're looking at the state of the parties as you know MPs head for this break. I think at the beginning of the year, it was pretty downbeat for Rishi Sunak. Yes, you had the five priorities and Rishi Sunak trying to almost start the year for what he wanted to do after coming in firefighting, following the leadership result where he obviously came in a chaotic scenario after Liz Truss left, but then struggling to make noise in various ways. And I think in the past month since the Windsor framework, there's just a bit more energy behind Rishi Sunak and a bit more focus. And you just sense, I think, confidence breeds confidence. So you have a situation where I think Tories just feel in a bit more upbeat place. And we're back to a situation which may change where we're talking more about conservative policies than conservative psychodrama. So the antisocial behaviour push this week. I think next week we'll be getting more on grooming gangs. You have a, a place where I think number 10 are at least setting some of the agenda through what they're planning to do, rather what predecessors are saying and, you know, stories they don't want to come out in the first place. So I think Rishi is definitely looking in a healthier place than he did at the beginning. And the question is, can you, after the break, which I think many MPs are desperate for, keep up the momentum or do you go back to a place of drift? James, Labour have announced their local election campaign today and Kirstarm has been in Swindon for it. Do you think that he feels threatened by this slightly better month for the Conservatives? I mean, look, you know, Labour are still comfortably ahead in the polls. We've got to keep reminding ourselves that when we talk about Rishi Sunak's strengths. Um, But even so, the trend has gone from being 25-point lead to 15-point lead now. That's what you'd expect. Labour would always say, you know, we we thought the polls would tighten and get it closer. And it does feel as though, if you look at the messaging, it, it, I know this is far too early, obviously, but this, there seems to be a mood, particularly in Westminster, of we're either seeing kind of a shadow campaign or we're seeing the beginnings of a very long campaign for next year's election. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about sort of a spring election, maybe, I think perhaps prematurely, but there are some indications it could go that way. But that being said, you know you have to look at the past month or so. Labour, I think Labour's response wasn't great to the budget. I think you know the, the fact they didn't know about the Keir Starmer statutory instrument and seemed to be blindsided on that. The way in which they've really kind of struggled to go after, I think, on migration, for instance, they've staked it all not on morality but on practicality. Now, as you know, Katie says on this week's Spectator TV, if even a couple of flights do go to Rwanda, for instance, and there are signs or indications perhaps that the courts will will sort of um, you know, maybe do that given past rulings, then how, come, how can Labour really criticise it on grounds of 
practicality of it appears to be working as well. I would just say that the one lesson of this kind of parliamentary session before the recess has been Rishi Sunak securing his position in the party. We did a wonderful cover a few um, weeks ago about you know, Rishi Sunak haunted by his predecessors, Liz Truss and Boris Johnson. I don't think those pose nearly as much threat combined as they did, partly because of the Privileges Committee, but also you look at things like the Tory away day and, you know, Boris Johnson was out earning a load of money and Rishi Sunak was there dressing the troops. So I think there's a kind of sense that the bulk of the party in Parliament at least is now behind him much more. And over in Scotland, Margaret Ferrier has been handed a 30-day suspension after breaking COVID regulations, which could lead to a by-election. Katie, what could this mean? So first electoral test for him is Yusuf, and this is clearly... I think the majority is around 5,000, so an opportunity for Scottish Labour to show they are making inroads. There's also quite a lot of pressure on Scottish Labour already because I think the quite clear consensus amongst politicians but also commentators is that the SNP struggling is great news for a Scottish Labour resurgence, which helps Keir Starmer get a majority. So they also have high expectations to contend with. Um, but I think what's also quite interesting, um, James mentioned Boris Johnson, is when you look at um, the reports, so Margaret Farrier, of course, was in trouble for travelling while having COVID. It saw her during lockdown. It saw her have the SNP whip removed. And the report recommends a 30-day suspension. Pretty damning report. Yet... When it comes to their recommended 30 days, there are three Tory MPs on the committee who say, oh, why don't we make it below 10 days, suggesting it should be a single-figure suspension instead. Now, this is interesting because these MPs are also, uh, of course, on the committee deciding Boris Johnson's fate on Partygate. And it suggests perhaps they're worried about precedent or preparing a new precedent for when Boris Johnson... uh, Ultimately, you get to the point where the Privileges Committee decide what punishment Boris Johnson will have. And I think that definitely the the better case scenario for for the Tory government is one where it's below 10 sitting days. If it's 10 sitting days or more, then you're vulnerable to a recall petition, then a by-election. The last thing Rishi Sunak wants when we're talking about this, oh, he's had a bit better political weather, is a situation where you have an ongoing by-election, Boris Johnson in the news most days, and whatever happens, lots of problems coming from that. I would just add quickly as well that the investigation into Margaret Ferrier was opened after the one into Chris Pincher, which has been going uh, a week before Rishi Sunak's Prime Minister. So that's now six months on. You know, that was about actions causing significant damage to the reputation of the House as a whole. And you have to wonder, for instance, that, OK, we're all focusing on Boris Johnson's possible by-election for Rishi Sunak, understandably. But what about if the you know, Standards Commissioner comes back with a recommendation which would lead to a by-election in Tamworth? You know, Tamworth you know, has been a historically safe Conservative seat, Surely in the circumstances you might suggest an opposition party could win that. So I'm just wondering perhaps if Rishi Sunak is obviously in a stronger position, but there's all these sort of fires that could break out. And I think if we're talking about by-elections, there could be one potentially there if the commissioner rules that way. Now let's look at the May local elections coming up. Katie, how much can we take from a May local election as to what the national mood is in politics? The local elections are always significant politically, um, both in terms clearly of council seats, but uh, also setting the tone in Westminster. And I think we're talking about how Rishi Sunak's looking a bit more confident than he was, despite the fact 15 to 20 point poll leads. I think in government, they reckon Labour probably realistic have about a 15 point lead at the moment. And therefore, it can change how parties are perceived, how leaders are perceived. I think that when it comes to these local elections, they're always going to be difficult for the Conservatives. You have a situation by which all parties are trying to do expectation management ahead, try and suggest it's going to be truly awful. Lots of people will say, well, it might not be so bad for Rishi Sunak because the last time these local elections took place was Theresa May, actually, when she was on a low ebb. So 
they're already in quite a bad place <laughs> to do worse. Um, uh, you, you know, you could surprise because of this. I think, and of course, take with a pinch of salt because expectation management is going on. I do think the sense in government is they're going to be pretty dreadful. And um, there's not that much time to turn it around. I think the hope is because there's been quite good weather behind Rishi Sudo just in terms of a few things recently. It would not in the point where we could be doing a podcast right now talking about tricky local elections, Boris Johnson comeback. That was a narrative earlier in this year. It feels we've moved away from that. The other thing that I think uh, some in government are hoping will help them is the King's coronation in the sense that comes just a couple of days after the local election results. You can imagine all broadcast coverage should be focused on the new king, not on graphs about how badly the Tories may have done. And therefore it potentially just moves the news agenda on quite quickly. So I, I think when you speak to optimists in government, it's not so much that they think things could be a lot less bad than was expected, but actually there's reason to think we might not dwell for such a long period on the local elections. What the Tories will be trying to do is find a few surprising or more positive stories that they can point to to say, well, in this area, we've actually done surprisingly well, so stick with this plan. But I think it's definitely um, seen as uh, an exercise and damage limitation when it comes to local elections, rather than a show of strength. You know, the, the media is not really been talking about it. I mean, I missed completely that the Tories had launched their local election campaign last week. Um, we've been talking about other things. So perhaps there's a case that these results, as Katie says, if they are really bad, we're not going to particularly to notice. And the media coverage and have sort of rolling footage of Tory ministers looking grim. The other point as well, as we've been talking about, is Richard an exposition in the parliamentary party. And while the results may be awful across the country, there might be sort of a lot of disgruntled and disaffected local Tory MPs, which we might see in things like, you know, deselection movements, etc. In Parliament, so much of the time is spent on occupying, trying to, trying to party manage and keep people happy. Lots of MPs have been called, I think the party, as we said in this podcast, the, the, the machine management is a lot better than it has been. So although you may have like a lot of Tories in the country disgruntled, you might see his, plum, his polling and con home taking a rating for uh, a fall, for instance. In Parliament, it might be sort of a slightly better mood among the troops because of how the government is perceived to be operating them in the Westminster bubble. And I know I mentioned that this is about the Conservatives and Labour, but what about the Lib Dems? So Liberal Democrats tend to do pretty well in local elections. The problem is often when you take that as an indication of the general election, it tends to not always replicate. But I think in terms of local ground game groups, it, it, it is a place where the Liberal Democrats can do very well. And I think there's an interesting question about the Lib Dems at the next election. I think there are two schools of thought. The one is the Lib Dems tend to do better when you have a popular Labour party that makes the prospect of voting for the Lib Dems a little bit less scary in some ways because they don't for, for example Jeremy Corbyn was bad for the Lib Dems because the Tories could make the argument stop Jeremy Corbyn give your vote to the Tories to do that if you vote Liberal Democrats you could usher them in I think having Keir Starmer should in theory help the Liberal Democrats in that sense but yeah wherever she's in it tends to poll pretty well is the blue wall and actually these more kind of Cameroon Lib Dem Tory voters um, so having two leaders of the main parties, both in Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak, who I think are fairly palatable to quite a lot of Liberal Democrat-type voters, could be a problem in the sense, where, where does Ed Davey find the space? Thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.